things, beloved, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Can you tell your neighbor that God is so good? He's so good to me. And he's so good to you too. Amen. And uh, when we talk about the goodness of the Lord, sometimes some people don't know how good God is. And the fact that you are still alive today, that you are still here today, it's all the goodness of God. It's all by his grace. <clears throat> so maybe as an introduction to what I want to share with you today, <clears throat> let me just ask a question. It may sound like a funny question, but there is a purpose for asking that question. What would you think about a parent who gives his child mud as food? Or such a parent, when the child does something wrong, beats the child until he breaks the legs of that child. What would you think about such a, such a parent? Either mentally things are not right, isn't it? Or it's a child abuser. Okay. There's a reason why I ask that question and you say, Pastor, but it's obvious. <clears throat> no parent can do that. Okay? I want you to go to the book of Matthew chapter 7. Because there are people who think that God can bring tragedies in our lives to teach us lessons. <laughs> so if you... Being a parent, and sometimes even an evil parent, <clears throat> you don't break your children's legs. Why should God break his children's legs? To teach them lessons. You know there are people who usually say such things. Yeah. So Jesus here, he's making things clear about how God, good God is. If you don't know the goodness of God, you are going to say it is God when actually it's the enemy attacking you. Look at this. Matthew chapter 7, 9 to 11, Mr. MJ, in the NIV. And you will see that <clears throat> Jesus is asking a question that is as funny as the question I asked you when I began. Listen. Which of you, if your son asks for bread... Will give him a stone. Okay. You would not have thought that such a question is a fair question to ask, isn't it? It's obvious. Nobody gives children stones when they're asking for food. Nobody gives them mud to eat when they're asking for food unless things are not right in their heads. Isn't it? <clears throat> Continue. <clears throat> or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a snake? Okay, are there parents who do that? Huh? Okay, now Jesus wants to defend his father. And I like it. Because there are people who think they being parents, they, evil as they are, they can't do that to their children, but God does it to his children. Listen to Jesus. <clears throat> if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Do you understand Jesus' argument? Huh? Jesus starts by making it real to us and says, 
who of you being a parent, when a child asks for food, you give a stone when they ask for bread. And when they ask for fish, you give them a snake. And he said, no, no parent can do that. Jesus says, ah, why do some people think that God, who is their parent, does that? He says, if you being evil, know how to, good, to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father good gifts to his children? Can we all say God is so good? God is good to me. Amen. <clears throat> so this should set the, the record straight. So next time when there's a tragedy or something bad happens to somebody, you would hear people just saying, <clears throat> you know, it's God's will. Whatever God does, it's at God's own time. If you being evil, know how to, good, to give good gifts to your children, how much more will our heavenly father good gifts, give good gifts to us? Isn't it? He will. Go to James chapter 1, verse 16 to 18. <clears throat> NLT, James 1, 16 to 18. Because I think the fact that we miss the fact that God loves us. We then sometimes think, oh, that should be God. That should be God. That should be God. You remember even in the book of Job, <laughs> chapter 1, after all those calamities, we'll touch on it next week. After all those calamities that happened to Job, <clears throat> one of the servants came back and said, oh, the fire from God came and <clears throat> killed all the animals. That's how he gave the report. But we know, we who have read Job chapter 1, we know where all those calamities of Job were coming from, isn't it? Yeah, we know that. Because we, we've read Job chapter 1. But those people did not read Job chapter 1. That's why they could speak like that. So you can't speak like that after reading Job chapter 1 and chapter 2. So James 1, 16 to 18 NLT don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Okay, don't be misled. Okay, there are people who mislead others. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. What should we not be misled about? Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father. Okay, repeat that. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from our God our Father. Okay. Don't be misled. When you get good blessings, God get good things, that's your father blessing you. Continue. <clears throat> Who created all the lights in the heavens? He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Okay, he never changes. So it means if he is a good God, he will remain a good God. If he's been doing good things to his children, he will keep on doing good things to his children. Amen. Because he does not change. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm. Mm -hmm. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. <clears throat> and we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Yeah. 
Can you tell your neighbor, I'm a prized possession of my father. <clears throat> so don't you think he's always thinking about doing good to us? <clears throat> I know, parents, even sometimes when a child is just born, people come and they want to do a, <clears throat> an education policy. <laughs> For a child who just got born, <clears throat> they are thinking about the time when this child would be in going to the university. And you as a parent, you're thinking about the future of your child. So don't you think God is always thinking about my future? For I know the thoughts that I have toward you. Thoughts not to harm you, but thoughts to give you a good future. That's what God is thinking about us. He knows his thoughts. He knows what he is planning for us. And he knows what he wants to do for us. He says, it's not thoughts of harming you. It is your enemy who wants to harm you. But your father wants to bless you. And if you miss that, and you do not know the character or the nature of your father, you are going to keep on thinking, oh, God is doing his will. Mr. MJ, thanks for that prayer on Friday, by the way. There is the prayer link for on Fridays. Usually sends that out. So the one of the lessons was let's look at how Nehemiah approached God. The first thing that was important is that Nehemiah knew the character of God. So if you know somebody's character, you can trust them, isn't it? Yeah. It's like if people tell you, hey, we found the pastor stealing. Your pastor, we found him stealing. <laughs> You're going to start thinking, are you talking about, do you know our pastor? Isn't it? Because you know my character. So when they tell you those things, uh-uh, I don't believe you. No, we saw him. Uh-uh, I don't believe you. Because I know his character. So don't you think you should do that about your father? When people tell, talk bad about your God, tell them, you don't know my father. It's not my father. I know his character. Amen. And this is what limits our faith. The thing of not acknowledging his character and knowing that actually God has got good intentions for me. He's got good plans for me. He wants to do me good. Today, I just wanted us to talk about the power of God's love. And as I'm linking this with the introduction about this power of God's love, go with me to the book of 1 John, <clears throat> chapter 4, verse 16 to 19 in the New King James Version. And there are two things there that I want you to see <clears throat> about the love of God. And it's surprising why it would talk like that and then mention these two things. So just that first John chapter 4, 16 to 19, New King James Version, Mr. MJ, <coughs> chapter verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. Okay. What are the two things that we have done about God's love? We have known, we have known it and believed, and believed it. There are people 
who don't know the love of God, who don't even believe it. But there are, most Christians usually know the love of God, but they don't believe it. So he says, we have known and believed the love of God. You will see in some of the scriptures as we read going down, there are people who know that God is powerful. God has the power. God can do anything. But they don't believe that he will demonstrate his power on their behalf. I know God is almighty. God can do anything. And we say, is he going to heal you? I don't know. But he just told us that he is powerful. He just told us that he loves you. But you don't believe that he will do it for you. So he says, we have known and believed the love that God has for us. I know the love of God. I believe the love of God. Can you tell your neighbor, I know the love of God. I believe the love of God. You see, where God has taken us from, you look at where God has taken you from. Some of you were written off, but because of God's love, you are here. Amen? Because of God's love, you are still here. I know the love and I believe it. I know what God has done for me. Continue. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. I like it when it says God is love. So it means if he is love, there is not a moment when he is not loving because it's him. He is love. You see, unlike some of us, you are not necessarily love. You have the love of God, but you are not love. That's why sometimes we're surprised at how you're behaving and you say, oh, I'm just human. But God is love. L-O-V-E. And he does not have a shadow of turning. He is always wanting to do good things for his children. The book of Zephaniah says, the Lord is good. He is still in that city. He is thinking of good things for his children. And he never has a decision that's bad for them. Continue. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, uh-huh. so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. You see the privileged position that we are in. Mm. And if you believe the love of God, if you have known the love of God, then you know that God is always mindful of us. The psalmist says, what is man that you are mindful of him? Or a son of man that you visit him? It's because he loves us. Continue. There is no fear in love, Mm. but perfect love casts out fear. Mm. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Amen. So, 
when it says there is no fear <coughs> in love, okay, let me make this thing simple for you. So if you know the love of God and you believe it, you are always going to think about God is intending to do good things for me. He wants to bless me. He wants to protect me. He wants to heal me. But if you do not believe that love, and then you are attacked by sickness, then you start being afraid that you never know, maybe I'm going to die with this sickness. Maybe it will be a chronic disease. Maybe this, this. Now, fear comes, actually, <clears throat> if you look at fear, fear always comes to negate your faith. You remember when Jesus <clears throat> was going to the ruler of the synagogue's house and uh, the woman with the issue of blood delayed Jesus when she got a miracle in Mark chapter 5. And people came from the ruler of the synagogue's house. They said, don't trouble the master. Your daughter is dead. Because Jesus, the, the, the ruler of the synagogue went to call Jesus so that he may come and heal the daughter who was sick. And when Jesus was delaying, then they came and said, don't trouble the master anymore. Your daughter is dead. The Bible says, Jesus overhearing them. He said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. Have you ever noticed that when you want to exercise your faith, the only thing that usually pulls you back is fear? Either the fear of what if it doesn't happen? What if I confess and nothing happens? Or the fear like what the Israelites were doing when they were faced with Goliath, they were afraid of him, and they were running away from him. But when David came, he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that can talk about my God like that? He had boldness. So when you know the love of God, you have boldness. He says, so that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. I can approach the throne of God with boldness. Because I know he loves me. I know I am accepted in the beloved. Go with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, verse 16 to 21. We are going to do it in the NIV. <clears throat> he says, I pray that out of his, his Ephesians 3, 16 to 21, NIV. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen with power through his spirit in your inner being. <clears throat> okay? He's praying that I may be strengthened with power within me. Can you tell your neighbor, there is power within me? The power of God is in me. But how do I experience that power? It says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love. Did you see that? He says, I pray that you may be strengthened by his power within you so that Christ may dwell in you by faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love 
may have power. You see, that power, you experience it if you are rooted and established in love. Rooted and established in understanding that God loves me and he wants good things for me. Rooted and established in the fact that God loves this other person and he wants good things for the other person. So I can't be nasty to the other person because God loves them. You are rooted and grounded in love that even when you want to pray for somebody who is sick, you know that God will heal them. You have got confidence because I'm using the name of Jesus who loves this person. So I get bold because I know his character. So he says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. How many people should have power? All the Lord God's people. Can we say all the all of God's people should have the power? And he says, for you to experience that power, you're being rooted and established in love. You may experience that power. Amen. Because if you are not rooted and established in that love, like I said, sometimes because you don't know the character of God, you will doubt God. But if you know him, you can say, ah, I know my God. My God wants to do me good. My God wants to bless them. Amen. He says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. It's not me, I'm reading. (laughs) Okay, let me repeat. So, he wants you to understand this love. You know, there's this song. The love of Jesus is so wonderful. He's so wonderful. The love of Jesus is so wonderful. Oh, wonderful love. It is so you can get over it, it is so. You can't get under it, it is so wide. Oh, wonderful love. Can we do it a bit? The love of Jesus. Wonderful, the love of Jesus. Is so wonderful, the love of Jesus. Is so wonderful, oh, wonderful love. It is so high. Get over it, it is so low. You can't get under it, it is so wide. You can't get around it, oh, wonderful love. Amen. 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 It is so high you can't get over it. It is so low you can't get under it. It is so wide you can't get around it. So he says, there is verse, yeah, verse 18. 
And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power. That's why I'm talking about the power of God's love. Together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide it is so wide. You can't get around it. And how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love. He says, I, we have known the love. We have believed it. Do you really know the love of God? Do you really know that God loves you? God loves all people. So if I know his love, I know his character, it will boost my faith. I can tap into the power of God within me. Because now I know what my God will do. Amen. And to know his love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. People, are you seeing these things? You know, uh, you, you can be so much full of God. He says, so that you may be filled with all to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power, which is where? 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 And that's not pride. It is God saying, he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I can think or ask. According to his power, that is at work within me. I believe that. Yes, there is the power of God here in me. And I didn't put it there. God himself chose to dwell in me through the Holy Spirit. So if you are a child of God, the greater one dwells in you. The greater one dwells in you. Amen. He that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. You know why he is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine? Because now when you know his love, when you understand his love, when you believe his love, then you tap into that unlimited power of God. Amen? Because you know him. Because you know his love. According to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So this power is in me. So if you know the power of God is in you, when you are facing challenges, you know that the challenge is not measured against you, but against the power that is in you. And therefore you will overcome. Amen. When we started here, we were saying, I am more than a conqueror through Christ my Lord. You are more than a conqueror. Because of the greater one who dwells in you. 
Because you have known his love and indeed his love is manifested through you. Go with me to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, <clears throat> verse 7 to 18. We are still looking at this great power that is in me. The power of his love. But he is in me. His nature is in me. So it's like <clears throat> whether I'm now ministering to you preaching or we're laying hands on the sick or anything that we do for God with the anointing of God, it's as if it's God himself doing that work. He just uses us as his vessels. Now, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 to 18 and 9, it says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. But where is it? We have it. It says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power. So people see that, yo, you guys have got such power. That's why actually in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it uses the term, it says you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And the Greek word for that word power, like I told you before, is the word dunamis, which is the rendition where we get the word dynamite from. So if I say you shall receive a dynamite, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, now you are not afraid anymore. Because you've got a dynamite. Amen. You've got the greater one in you. And the good thing is that your way, the word of God in your mouth is as powerful as God himself speaking it. So that's why God in the beginning when he created the heavens and the earth, he just spoke. And because of the power from his mouth, things happened. And he has given us that creative power. So when you have a situation facing you, you've got the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. You know Ephesians 6. It says, take unto you the shield of faith with which you quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And it says, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Amen. You shall receive power. Amen. And you have the power. Amen. Amen. You've got the power because the greater one dwells in you. Amen. But it says, we have this treasure in jars of clay. You remember I like this clay thing. Because it's not in golden vessels. Because if the treasure was in a nice looking vessel, you might give credit to the vessel. But if it's a clay jar, you know this clay jar can do nothing. You look at some of us and think, ah, can there be power there? Can there be power there? Probably the devil also thinks like that. Especially if you are a bit short. Do you know that the power that you have doesn't depend on your size? <clears throat> the other time I gave you an example by traffic officers. You don't stop your car because the traffic officer who's stopping you is a tall man. Or it's a short man. Or it's a lady. No. That's got nothing to do with the power. When they do this and they are wearing the uniform, you know they've got the power. Even if your truck is a very big truck, 
It's not their size that counts. It's the power vested upon them. Can you do that also to the devil? Amen. And you just do this. In the name of Jesus. I forbid you. I rebuke you. You stop it in Jesus name. Because you've got the power. You have the power. And then you are able to command things. That's why the Bible says, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. That whatever you, in, 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 I like the version that says, whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Whatever you prohibit on earth will be prohibited in heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven because you have the power. So he says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. So it means the enemy will come. The enemy will attack, but he can't finish you. You may be down, but you are not out. Amen. Amen. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our bodies. I like it in the King James, it says, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in my mortal body. So for me, I think, I even use a scripture like this to, for my healing. Because if the life of Jesus is manifested in my body, and maybe there is sickness or there is pain somewhere here, or they say, no, there is a cancer cell there and there. When the life of Jesus is manifested in this body, anything that is ungodly has got to melt. That's why the Bible says, mountains melt like wax in the presence of God. So he says, <clears throat> so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. As it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. That is the spirit of faith. We don't only believe, we also speak it. Some of you wonder why some of us speak our faith. It's because that's how faith works. I believe it, but I also speak it. So when you believe something and you are trusting God for something, don't just let it be in your heart only, but you also need to speak it. You know that's how you got born again. It says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, For we believe with our heart that Jesus died and rose again from the dead, and we confess with our mouth, and we are saved. Amen? So even when you are trusting God for something, you believe it in your heart, but speak it also. When you hear some of us speaking long life all the time, it's because we want to live low. We speak it. So, when you feel like speaking something and then something says, ah, but what if? Then that's fear starting to come. That's why I told you fear, it's always a neutralizer of faith. 
verse 14. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from dead, from the dead, will also rise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is, all this is what? For your benefit. You see, God's love. All this is for your benefit. You know everything that God wants to do for us? It's for our benefit. We talk about giving and we say it's time to give. Some of you think it's time to get, to lose your money. No. All this is for your benefit. So that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to the overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So your outer body may be getting old and weaker as you grow, but inwardly you're getting stronger and stronger. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Amen. I fix my eyes on the goodness of God. I fix my eyes and my attention on the love of God. And as you fix your eyes on that, that goodness of God, that spiritual thing will change the natural. That's how faith works. You start in the spiritual and then you change what is in the natural. Sometimes I mean, I always give these examples because the, <clears throat> the African context, most things in Africa, you know the spiritual side of it. When people say that somebody is bewitching others or somebody is doing casting spells on them, they do that in the spiritual realm and then it affects your natural results. So, if the devil could copy that, then it means in the spiritual realm, you can be blessed and then it follows you in the natural. We see the manifestation of what has happened in the spiritual for you. So it's like even when you pray, you know when you're praying and declaring things, in the name of Jesus, I pray this, this, I do this, this. That's in the spiritual because you're not physically going to change that to that and move that to that. You are doing this in the spiritual as you pronounce, as you proclaim it, as you declare it, and then it gets manifested in the natural. You get that? That's how the word works. When we, if we pray for you, or even when some of us confess the word over our own lives, I speak that word. I say, in the name of Jesus, pain, I rebuke you. You've got no part in this body. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. It is not the temple of sicknesses. I'm speaking that and in the spiritual realm, but in the natural, that pain will end up having to go. That's why Jesus said, Whosoever shall say unto this, he said, have faith in God, Mark 11. 
Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. So you speak it, and then you will see it. Within you, you are loaded with God's power, with God's glory. And sometimes the forces of faith, you don't see the power that is in these forces. But they are powerful forces. That's why I said the power of his love. You would not have thought that love has power. It has the power. Amen. Go with me to the book of Galatians chapter 5. Verse 22 to 23 in the Passion Translation. Galatians 5, 22 to 23, Passion it says, Mr. MJ, if you've got it, you can read it. If you don't have it, I will read it. <clears throat> 22. Okay. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. Okay. So the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit where? Within mm. you. Mm. Is divine love in all these expressions. So you will see how, how love expresses itself. Okay? Yeah. Joy that overflows. Okay. Joy that overflows. The Bible says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Mm. So even when the enemy has attacked or something bad happens to you, you still have the joy of God. Mm. You just have the peace of God within you. Mm. That God is still in control. Mm -hmm. Peace that subdues. You see, that's power. Mm -hmm. Patience that endures. Yes, patience that endures. Mm -hmm. Kindness in action. Mm -hmm. A life full of virtue. Mm -hmm. Faith that prevails. Faith that prevails. You mm -hmm. see, all these things are within you. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit in you, these forces are strong forces. Mm. That's why the Bible says, of all the things that should be guarded, guard your heart. Proverbs 4. Yeah. For out of it flows the issues of life. Yeah. So the issues of life are these. Divine love. Joy. Peace. Patience, faith. It's all coming from within you. So that's why even if the enemy attacks you, he looks at the outside and he does not know what's in you. Amen. You remember the other time I gave you an example to say, you need to be so much soaked with God's word that when situations press you, when you are put under pressure, May that word ooze out. May it always gush out. Because you were put under pressure. But some of you, if you are put under pressure, will know how many soapies you were watching. Because of the words you speak. But if you've been deep in the word, when pressure comes, you speak the word. Because that is what is full in you. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
So that's what you are loaded with. So we are loaded with this love in all its expression. So it's joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, strength of spirit. Never set law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. Amen. We cannot limit them. Ephesians, Philippians 4, 6-7, New King James Version, it says, Philippians 4, 6-7, New King James Version, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You see, you do not be anxious, become anxious of anything when you know the love of God, when you believe this love. You are able to rest and relax even when there are storms raging around you. Amen. Like Jesus sleeping in a boat when the storms were raging. Because you say, as long as my God is in control, I'm fine. Amen. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So you see that peace again. That peace that makes you settled. That when we look at you, even after something bad has happened to you, we just still just see you, you are at peace. You've got the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding. Amen. Amen. You've got that peace. So, <clears throat> can we go to the book of Mark chapter 9? Okay? I want to link this to something that we'll pick on next week. Next week we'll have enough time to pray for the sick. We'll spend time here in church praying together also. But we want to experience this love in action. We want to see this power of God working in us and among us. Now, I will take a few examples for you just to show you that sometimes people believe that God has power, but they don't know if he can do it for them. And sometimes... They believe he can, but they don't know if he is willing to do it. And I'll take some, some of those examples because that is what limits our faith. That is what limits the power of his love in us. Mark chapter 9, 17 to 27, I'll go through it quick. One of the men in the crowd spoke and said, Teacher, I brought my son so that you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit who won't let him talk. So this man had a child who was possessed by evil spirits. And those spirits, they were making him mute. He couldn't talk. Okay? And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently into the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirits. But they couldn't do it. You see, this man had a problem. Eh? Having a child who is possessed by evil spirits, 
and having a mute spirit, a spirit that doesn't allow him to speak. He couldn't talk. And the father brings the child to the disciples, knowing that they are walking with Jesus. Brings the child there with hope that they would heal the child, and they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, You faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at his mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy and the spirit often throws him into fire or into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. You see, that's why sometimes you would find people with, most people with epileptic seizures, convulsions, sometimes they fall into fire and you get burned and all that. So the man here says, this spirit often throws my child into fire or into water, trying to kill him. So this man had a problem, isn't it? He says, have mercy on us and help us if you can. What was this man doubting? He was doubting whether whether he can. Isn't it? Yeah. He says, have mercy on us and help us if Is that not sometimes what you think? If you can. Then Jesus says, What do you mean if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. Did you get that? He says, Help us if you can. And Jesus says, What do you mean if I can? All things are possible (coughs) if a person believes. So next time when you think, Lord, if you can do this, Jesus is saying all things are possible if you believe. You need to believe the love of God. You need to know this love. He says, anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe. But help me overcome my unbelief. (laughs) So so he says, I do believe. And something quickly came. Really? You think this child? This child from from the when he was a little boy. How do you think? Oh Lord, help my unbelief. Sometimes do that. If you are believing God and trusting God and something comes, say, Lord, help my unbelief. Help me. I do believe, but now fear comes and it asks me, how possible would this be? Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. He said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. 
A murmur ran among the crowd as people said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and held him to his feet and he stood up. Amen. Amen. Do you get that? So he says, if you can help us. He says, no, all things are possible to him who believes. Go with me to Matthew chapter 9. Verse 27 to 29. Again, we're looking at this thing where people <coughs> come to Jesus. But sometimes they don't believe he can do it. So, And that is also still practical even with us today. You are going before God. Either you don't believe he will do it. Or you don't know if he's willing to do it. And most of us, I think, we usually know God has all the power. It's easy to believe that he can. The doubt is whether he wants to do it. But this one's like the, that guy, he says, if you can. So he was even believe, doubting whether Jesus could. Matthew 9, 27 to 29, New King James Version. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, why did Jesus ask them? Do you believe that I am able to do this? <laughs> did you see that? This guy comes to Jesus. It means when we go to Jesus, we have to have faith. We have to believe. Even though Jesus can do anything, he wants to know if we believe that he can. He says, do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. Did you see that? So, they believed that he could. And then they could experience the love of God. They could exercise their faith. Matthew 8, 1 to 3, NIV. Now, these two examples, the following example, the first one was about whether Jesus can. So that's why you've got to know the love of God and believe it. You've got to believe he can. <clears throat> but the other part is knowing that he can, but you are not know, sure if he's willing to. You know, many people say, if it's his will, he will heal me. If it's your will, isn't it? It means you don't know if he's willing. Now listen to this. Matthew 8, 1 to 3 NIV. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, a large crowd followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord. The other one said, if you can. This one says what? Okay. You see the difference? The other one said, if you can, help us. Jesus said, everything is possible to him who believes. Now, this one knows that Jesus can do anything. But he's just not sure if Jesus is willing. That's where most Christians are. They proclaim the power of God. God is powerful, my brother. God has all the power. But why are you not receiving? So he says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched him and touched the man and said, what? Jesus said, what? 
I am willing. He said, "Be clean." I am willing. Jesus is still saying that today. So don't keep on saying if it's God's will. Check the scriptures, because the will of God that's already declared in scriptures. We don't have to doubt that one because we already know that. You can only say if it's God's will for something that's not there in scriptures. If it's already there, why don't you just believe it and take it? Jesus says, "I am willing. Be clean." Luke chapter five, <clears throat> verse twelve to seventeen, New King James Version. Luke five, twelve to seventeen. I want us to <clears throat> wind down with this one, and then we will end with Hebrews. Luke chapter five, verse twelve to seventeen, New King James Version. And it happened when he was in a certain village that behold. A man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus, and he fell on his face and implored him, saying, "Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean." Then he put out his hand and touched him, saying, "I am willing; be cleansed." <clears throat> Immediately the leprosy left him, and he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. However, the report went around concerning him, uh, concerning him all the more, <clears throat> and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. When I'm saying next week we're going to pray for the sick, you need to hear that, and you need to be excited and come ready to receive. And if you've got relatives who need healing, come. Let's pray for them. God loves them. God wants to heal them. Amen. We know He can, and we know He is willing. Can we all say we know He can? And we know He is willing. So He says. The report went around concerning Him all the more, and great multitudes came to hear and to be healed. Of their infirmities, the problem is that usually sometimes people want to go to be healed without hearing. We don't have magic in church. We have faith. We give you the word, and when you believe that word, the owner of the word confirms the word with signs following. That's why the book of Mark chapter sixteen verse twenty-one it says, "They went out everywhere and preached the word." And the word, the Lord confirmed the word with signs following. That's why, even before we pray for you or before we do anything with you, we give you the word. As you believe that word, as your faith is stirred up through that word, then you get healed. He sent His word, Psalms one o seven verse twenty. He sent His word and healed them, and delivered them from their destructions. So he says, great multitudes came to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. So I want you to also pray for our service, even the next week's service. Pray for it. Be a participant. Don't be a spectator. Okay. So when we say we're going to pray for the sick and whatever other needs that people have next week, so we'll have time to pray all of us together. 
And after that, then we focus on the needs that people have. We know God loves us. He can and he is willing to do it for us. But Jesus, he would go and withdraw, and, 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 and withdraw himself into the wilderness and pray. So like we said to you, we don't only come to the service and start preaching here. We spend a lot of time with God before coming here. So you also spend time in prayer, praying for the service. Praying for us. Amen. Now, it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea and Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was present to heal. Did you see that? As he was teaching, the power of the Lord was present to heal. That's why I don't doubt him. Because when we speak his word, he comes into the scene. Because you cannot separate him from his word. Amen. So as he was teaching, the power of the Lord was present to heal. And I know as we preach his word, his power is present to heal. That's why you might find, <clears throat> even without praying for you, as we're speaking this word, if you were not feeling well, now all of a sudden think, when I came to church, I was feeling sick. But now I'm well, I'm healed. Because the power of God is present to heal. When the word is spoken, the power of God is present to heal. Amen. So we land with Hebrews chapter 4, 14 to 16. So I'm saying, pray for next week's service. Come prepared to receive your miracle. And let's believe God together. God loves us. We believe his love and we know it. We want to experience the fullness of God even in these last days. May it be that people, when they are sick, they should run to church, to the place of hope. May the church be the place of hope for the communities around us. May people experience God through us. The Bible says we are ambassadors for Christ. May people find refuge in our churches as they experience the power of God. Hebrews chapter 4, 14 to 16, NLT. Since then, we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not see. So, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So, we're going to approach the throne of God with boldness.
whether it's for your own individual issues or anything that you want to pray to God for. But even more so, I want you to pray specifically for our service next week. Come with an expectant heart. Because when we see his love, when we see what he promises, we want to experience that. We want to experience the fullness of his love. And all these precious promises that he has given us, he wants to fulfill them in our lives as we believe and know the love that God has for us, the power of his love. We can stand up and thank God for the word that we've had.